Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! What's Boom. up? Welcome Aww. to Action Movie Anatomy. I am your host, Ben Bateman, joined today by my lovely co-host, Andrew Guy. <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> so happy to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> and uh, we have our special guest of the day, Mr. Jimmy Wong. Hello, friends. How's it going? Uh, it's I'm going, excited. It's going well. Yeah, we're really excited. Yeah, we're happy to have here. you, man. We're this excited. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a really exciting It's movie. so good. It's really, really awesome. Yeah, like, I amazing. forgot how damn good this movie was. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, guys, welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. We are the online broadcast network devoted to talking movies and all things movie related. This is Action Movie Anatomy, a show where we break down our favorite action movies of all time. Those four movies have to loosely adhere to four rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two, the hero and villain are always the smartest people in the room. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. And as per usual, there's at least one explosion. Oh, at least. <laughs> there has to be at least one. Uh, if sometimes in the movie step outside of this, we still include them. This one, luckily, I think hits all of the categories. Yeah. yeah. Dead yeah, I think so. on well, the head. Maybe the the hero and villain bit, because the villain's kind of constantly changing in the movie. Right, 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 right. right. Well, but, it's but like the, the lead villain, the right. voice, is untouchable. <laughs> and like <laughs> the, the intelligence of the villain is kind of like he is, the, you know, yeah, yeah. So we're going to well, show you guys... uses a pager, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> it's like covert ops, though. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, intentional, exactly. it's intentional. So uh, we are going to get into the trailer here just uh, and do initial thoughts, but really quickly, I want to tell you guys to do the show every single week. It helps to have your feedback. So please, if you could help us and go to podcast1.com and take a quick little survey to help us do a better job with the show. It helps us being the best possible product for you. Uh, that's podcast1.com. Just go. It's like a three-minute survey, probably even less than three minutes, honestly. One more time, that's podcast1.com. Let's get into it. Let's check the trailer out for Man on Fire. Ooh. Boom. Boom. That's my, fi- that's my fire sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we will start the chat over it a little bit. Yeah, Excellent. we know. <laughs> it's a good trailer, too. Oh, it's it's good. It's not It's not great, but it's a good trailer. It does kind of show off the style that Ridley... Or, sorry, Tony Scott uses in the movie. Oh, absolutely. That's one thing that I love about the opening of this movie. Just with the sound and the stylization in the very beginning, you're already like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm watching another Tony Scott movie, and I feel it. Yeah. He really... I think he really hit, like, the styles right, right around this time, this movie, and then he did it all the way, basically, through the rest of his career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely is a little, a little heavy-handed in this movie with it. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it, it takes away at certain moments, but it's still great. It's not too much to like no more make the movie it. bad. It's like those yeah. like this, like ch- those like chalky scrubs where it's all like looks like super granulated at times. And yeah. we'll get to talking about the scene, but the scene when he's got the guy duct taped duct taped to the steering wheel, it's like it's so it's too much. Yeah, and I get it. It's supposed to like 
convey the pain yeah. and the intensity, but it kind of takes away from it. I almost like, I'm remembering yeah. the trailer for Domino now, which also he directed. My, within na- a, my name's Domino Harvey. Which within a couple <laughs> years, and it basically looks exactly the same. Like, yeah. the tone, the music, the feel. He like he was pretty dialogue. The magic of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Domino when I was, like, right when it had come out on video. Yeah. And I remember hating it. I didn't ever watch it. I think I need to watch it again. I've heard it's really bad. I know. I love bad movies. <laughs> I love Keira Knightley, and I never saw it. Ah, uh, this trailer. Dude, Denzel! Yeah, it's just him. This is him at his... Almost the peak Denzel. Yeah. It's like the pinnacle Denzel. I can't wait to talk about Phase 2 Denzel. Yeah. <laughs> I like my whole theory on it. Their relationship is incredibly endearing in this movie. It really movie. is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. Oh, it's great. She is very, very good. Honestly, Dakota Fanning is phenomenal. All the Fannings are great. I don't know what they're feeding those kids. Yeah. But... Who are the other Fannings? Elle Fanning. Elle she Fanning. was in, like, um, uh, Super 8. Oh. She was in Super 8. She's really good in that. She does some voice acting as well. I like that guy too. What's his name? Like Giancarlo Gianni or something like that. You're talking about the Italian, the yeah, AFI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that car explosion is so good. And then it's a man walking that's, on fire. Yeah, that, that would yeah. be Denzel is the man on fire. Cool guys don't look at explosions that whole bit. Yeah, no, he never. never looks at an explosion. Of course not. Was there sunglasses on in the trailer right there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because we said it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway. All right, guys, so that is the trailer for Man on Fire, uh, the first of the sort of reboot of the Tony Scott Denzel Washington era. So mm-hmm. what we do here to start the show out is we share a bold statement, uh, essentially a thesis statement about the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which we will then sort of back up throughout the rest of the show. So I want to go first. Well, really quickly, I'm guys, if you're watching live, we love it if you guys uh, chime in and you tweet at us or you YouTube comment while, while the thing's going on with your own. If you come up with one that you think is super brilliant, sometimes they're actually better than ours. We read them sometimes. We, we always read them, but sometimes they are actually better than ours. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you can tweet at me at, at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you can tweet at me at, at Andrew Guy. And our special guest, Jimmy Wong. Uh, you can tweet at me. You don't have to. At JF Wong. Uh, and share your thoughts. So I'm going to start with Andrew for your thesis statement. Go ahead. Okay, so this movie, which we'll get into later with the critical reception, was pretty bad. Like, the critics kind of hated this movie. Yeah. And a lot of it is because they most of them say that the second half of the movie is so heavy-handed, grisly violence that it's mm-hmm. unenjoyable. I feel like if this movie came out now, I don't know about with Denzel or not, but if this movie came out now with the same storyline and everything, I think it would be received better. I think that mm. us as an audience have become more accustomed to intense grisly torture violence. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the stuff that goes on in this movie, you'd see on a TVMA show. Yeah. And back then, it was too much to watch for an R-rated movie. I mean, have you guys <clears> seen <throat> Hannibal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, do, yeah. I think that if this movie came out now, the critics would be much more uh, receptive to it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I can agree with that. I think it was definitely ahead of its time for 2004. Um, and I think Tony Scott, with sort of, like, the rapid cutting, like, yeah. there's no real... The time is like sometimes he cuts between different times in the same scene. He jumps into the future like he's been waiting there for ten minutes. So you just see it in these rapid cuts. You don't really uh-huh. see that too often. I think he started something cool when he started doing that stuff. Yeah, because this is the first he did four with Denzel after this, and they all have the same tone. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, all, yeah. absolutely. They like very much feel the same. Did you have a thesis you wanted to share? Uh, yeah, my thesis is that this is my second favorite Tony Scott movie of all time, and it's ahead of Top Gun. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, for me it's miles. Yeah, you're not a big Top I Gun. I hate fan. Top Gun. I don't know why. <laughs> I just don't like. I maybe need to try it again. I, I think the Gun. list for me goes: True Romance, uh-huh. Man on Fire, 
Top Gun, Unstoppable, and then the rest is just all kind of combined together past that. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's he, I mean he did a lot of movies until his untimely death just several years ago. Yeah, um, rest in peace, Tony. Yeah, rest in peace, T. So I'm gonna say uh, I have to give a tiny bit of preface for this because it's in the context of the show. So if you guys have watched the episodes before, you know that at the end of the show, we always do a thing with three categories, the, the three action movie categories. Now, before we ever did this show on popcorn, that was like a conversation I used to always have as those three categories. In fact, it was sort of almost like the inspiration to pitch a movie show as we wanted yeah. to do an action movie show about those three categories. Mm-hmm. Now, the ultimate category for us is legitimately ridiculous, which is the middle category. That's where campy meets legitimate and it's just the perfect, there's a great performance usually. Yeah. It almost feels like a real, real drama but there's some sort of campy, cheesy thing that I think that the combination of Denzel Washington and Tony Scott together is the definition of that category. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened to that category. Yeah. The five movies they made together stand above any single movie that any other director has ever done. And that, that includes The Rock. That includes Connor. That includes Point Break. That includes Speed. Uh, that is my thesis. And I was reminded of it so completely watching this movie just because we talk about fist pump moments, which we'll get to in just a minute. That's, that's literally filled with them. This yeah. is, every scene in all the movies are fist pump. We watched the taking yeah. of Pelham 1, 2, 3 recently. That's, people hated that movie. The critics pooped all over it. And I was fist pumping the whole time. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to take that thesis. I totally agree with it. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna jump ahead here in our outline. And I'm going to talk about what Betsy Sharkey from the LA Times said. Yeah, it's, it's a good piece. It's, this is one of my favorite quotes about the movie and about Tony Scott working with Denzel. And she says that Denzel is Tony Scott's muse. And Scott was at his best when Washington was in the picture. The characters the actor, the actor played and the archetype of the kind of man Scott made at their core and what guided all of their actions that followed was fundamental decency. They were flawed men, to be sure, some more than others, but men who accorded, who accorded dignity to anyone who deserved it. Yeah. And I completely, completely agree that when he was with Denzel, it was perfect. It was just right. Yeah. There's this... It, it's so... If we can talk about uh, fist bumps in a minute, but, like, the eras of Denzel's career, right, there's, like, the, the largest era of his career you could define as the noble savage, right? Which yeah. Is, which is that. savage, It's yeah. the guy that is this, like... He's like this intense, not willing, not not averse to getting his hands dirty, mm-hmm. but he's got this nobility, and he plays by a code essentially. Yeah, and that's what all the characters that he plays in the Tony Scott movies do, right? Oh yeah, even the ones he doesn't, like an Equalizer, yeah, Training Day. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's a good guy, but he'll kill bad guys, and he's always going to be reasonable until you disrespect him, right? And then he, and, and then he goes, he goes crazy, yeah, right. Oh yeah. So oh. there's a great line at the beginning of this when, and I don't know if this is one of your, one of your guys' favorite lines. I, I hope I'm not stealing it. But oh, where not. He's driving with Mark Anthony, and Mark Anthony says. So you're oh, yeah, you're yeah. much cheaper than the competition. Why? And he looks and he goes, "I drink." Yeah, that's it. He just yeah. says, and you're just. It's just like one of those like, yes, you're willing to admit it, and you're not in great shape. You're this big guy. You're kind of muscular. You're kind of good at your job, but you're not that good anymore. You're, he's lovable. But I don't know. It's just great. Oh yeah, he's, I mean, because he even says he's like, uh, he goes, "I drink," and he's like, "Well, how how is that going to affect you?" And he says. Uh, Coordination, reaction time. If top professionals try and kidnap your daughter, I'll do my best, but the service is on par with the pay. And then he says, what if amateurs attack? I'd probably kill him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. No, it's just just amazing. So uh, we'll get into fist bump moments before we start doing star yeah. profiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys want to share yours first? Yeah, Jimmy, what you got, man? Uh, this is weird. It's not like a super fist pump moment because there's so many explosions in the movie, but I love the first scene when he starts training uh, um, PETA. Is that, that's her name, yeah, right? The yeah, swimming? Yeah. Getting off the box? Yeah, he's like telling, like, the gunshot like has no, uh, was it the gunshot fears? Was it the, the gunshot fears no one Yeah, fears, like yeah the gunshot holds no fear. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. And so he's like rubbing these like stones together and clacking them and yeah. like just like being super 
super hard on this tiny girl to like swim better and then by the end it's great because you have all like the maids of the house yeah. and stuff like cheering her yeah. on and that was my first like yeah like they're getting together like we're setting up that she's totally gonna get abducted and he's gonna be so angry about it oh yeah I, I love that you say that too because that's what you said of explaining it's not an explosion that's the definition of a fist pump absolutely yeah. Yeah. that's the whole thing is like the I, I hate when people like in, our, in the comments when they, they don't get that that's like it's not just about like an action like yeah moment it's more of just like a it's like that yes this is awesome he doesn't hate it guys he doesn't hate which is really good character (laughs) moments for both of them you see that this girl is not gonna like she's not gonna break down or be weak you know when he's being really like just a tough teacher on her and you can see that he really cares for this thing that is completely different to him which is like swimming yeah but it still has this gunshot which carries it all together so it's very thematic yeah I love it he says that with a gunshot sets you free yeah yeah, which is awesome yeah you're just waiting for that moment to be freed from this like the prison of your, uh, your launch pad. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so my fist pump moment, I have two. I always have two of a lot of things. But uh, <laughs> my first one is when, I, I don't know what it is, but I am such a sucker for when dudes get shot and they are completely unfazed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so badass. So it's when it's when uh, Peta first gets, uh, she's getting abducted. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he starts shooting the cops and he's like trying to defend her. And the first thing, that he takes like one right, right in the upper right chest. Yeah. And he just, he doesn't even flinch. He just pulls out a gun and he starts killing people. Yeah. And I'm course. just like, yes! It's the I same thing. It. It's the same thing in fighting scenes when, uh, like a. Oh, like the little guy hits the big guy a lot? And he, like, hits him in the face. Like, in those scenes where, like, yeah. the, the bad guy, like, doesn't move when he yeah, hits like, the face. Or he just, like, dude, looks dude, back, dude, like. Dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Ivan Drago. Yeah. yeah Carl exactly. Weathers. Or, like, uh, when Bane's getting hit by Batman. Oh, it's just yeah. so yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And that's Batman. Yeah. He punches hard. He also has, like, iron fists, because that's what his suit's made of, clearly. That's right. That's right. Bane doesn't care. My second one is I, from from the first time I watched this movie till now, I have never forgotten the moment of when he has his hands duct taped to the steering wheel. Oh gosh! Yeah, and he's like, every time that you don't answer me truthfully or you don't want to, I'm going to cut off a finger. Yeah, and the guy kind of thinks he's full of it, and then he just cuts off a finger to let him know he's not Mister. Yeah. And then the, and then the yeah, the, this is this is to sterilize the wound. And you're like, this is real, and then he just does he just it. does yeah. it. You see the blood on the windshield. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is is in the final interrogation scene when he is threatening the pregnant wife and brother. Oh yeah, yeah. and the, and like the brother, he's like, "Here, your brother wants to talk to you," and he hands the phone and just blows his hand off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. shotgun to the hand, <laughs> just because it's so intense. You know, Denzel at this point is dying. He's yeah. like bleeding every time you yeah. see him in the water. He's just covered in blood. Yeah, and he's he took another one to the chest. Yeah, you know he's like on his way out, uh-huh. but. It just does. He just does not care. He's just in that. You do whatever you want to me. I'm gonna win. Yeah, and it's just great. He's unstoppable. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's. I mean, so that's like. I should apologize. I don't hate when anybody thinks that a scene like that is awesome because mine is way more of just an explosion. (laughs) Explosion. (laughs) Exploding. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, yeah. They all have their place. Yeah. No, I love that part. Um, So we're gonna get into uh, you know career career moments and and. Pro, star profiles in just a second. But Drew and I wanted to share a quick story with you guys. If you, which if you watch the show every week, uh, you know that we did Jurassic World oh, last yeah. week, and yeah. we brought a couple little uh, souvenirs in to show you guys. We met the director Colin Trevorrow last night. Um, First we, of all, he is an incredibly humble and nice, generous man. Yeah, absolutely. We had we had a few friends that worked on the movie, and, and one of them uh, was in. We we work at a restaurant here and there, and and he came in the restaurant. And he said, "Hey, Colin's coming in tonight for dinner. You should introduce yourself to him." Um, and he goes home, and he gets the slate that he used on the movie because he was the he was a key grip on the movie. So he was like, "Get Colin to sign this for me. I didn't have time when I was on set." <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this is the for action. Yeah, right there. Yeah, for nice. the movie. So, so uh, yeah, Colin signs this, and he's he's really friendly. We talked to him a while about the show. You know, we talked about maybe getting him on the show at some point. Mm-hmm. 
then on his way out, he's there with a, a big staff of people that worked in the movie. He was uh, he was given out these prints, these uh, these Simpsonized prints to his staff of the whole of the oh, whole so cast cool. of the movie. Yeah, and we were like, thank you so much for being you know for signing this. We and he was like, hey, give these guys one. Yeah, and so Drew and I received as a gift from Colin Trevorrow, signed by him. I, I wish there was a way to uh, to, to zoom. get this on yeah. to get this on camera. A little closer. Put it in front of the mic. Yeah, there you, you go. go. It's but, original uh, print signed by Trevorrow for only like the editorial crew. Yeah, like is, the closest members of the crew. There's like a few guys that got one of these. Now, I'm glad they still have her wearing high heels in this as well. Oh, yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah, you have to. So we were pretty happy about that. Uh, didn't want to divert from the Man on Fire episode too much, but you know we did want to share the share it with the viewers. If you guys watch the show every week, you'll know how much we. Uh, we appreciate things like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr. Trevorrow. Yeah, guy yeah, is an great. absolute boss. So we wish him the best of luck in everything he does. Uh, but back to Man on Fire now. <laughs> Jump back in. So let's get so into good. star profiles. We want to talk about kind of where these guys were in their career. So we'll start with Denzel Washington. Um, I mentioned this a second ago, but yeah. sort of the, the various eras of his career. So the first era of Denzel's career that directly precedes this, he was in three Oscar-nominated roles, all of which played basically noble black historical figures. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Cry Freedom, Glory, Glory, and Malcolm X. And uh, Remember the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like the, that's the front end of that's this. the beginning phase. of this yeah, phase. Yeah, yeah exactly. I just, yeah. <laughs> so like mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s, he was sort of that, and then he was in Pelican Brief. Uh, he did Crimson Tide. That's the first one that he did, the submarine movie with, with Tony Scott, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. I mean, yeah. maybe that makes it up there too as one of the greatest. Yeah, Tony Scott. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely regarded it's very as one good. of the, the best ones. Uh, but he transitioned in the late 90s, I, I think around the time that he started to sort of he, was, he wasn't getting typecast necessarily as those type of historical characters anymore. Yeah. Um, he got snubbed for an Oscar for The Hurricane. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his films that directly precede this, it's kind of a different class of movie in a lot of ways. They're, mm-hmm. they're bigger picture. He was getting typecast as that noble savage character yeah. over and over and over again. So you have The Hurricane, two, 99. Remember The Titans, 2000. Training Day, 01. John Q, 02. Antoine Fisher, 02. I think Out of Time is in there somewhere as well. Yeah, it's it's the next film. And yeah. literally all of these are the definition of plays by his own rules. Yeah, he's just... Yeah. It's like it's like the same... Well, I guess in Remember the Titans, they all play by football rules. But as a coach, <laughs> that plays by his own observation. rules. <laughs> I mean, like, we, Drew and I were talking about, like, laughing. The cover of Out of Time and the cover of Man on Fire... Oh, they're almost the same one. It's yeah. just like... It's like him as like this really burly kind of badass with like sunglasses <laughs> yep. wearing like some sort of loose shirt where you're like oh this guy wears a Hawaiian shirt but he still has a gun yeah. he's like, what? it's just like so weird how they all feel look the same like the you know it's the noble savage thing John Q he's a concerned father who's willing to get his hands dirty to save yep. this kid yeah. man on fire he's like he's a humble bodyguard who's willing to get his hands dirty for the sake yep. of you know revenge to honor this young girl's memory right yeah. it's like it's just so funny. That's like sort of the tone of all the characters. He plays it so I was well. Just saying, he does it perfectly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the guy and you're like, you don't want to mess with him. Like, it's like, sure, you can like maybe not tip him if he was your waiter, but you do not like insult his family. You right. do not no. like, yeah, yeah, don't do anything personal, but you can, yeah, just like be careful. It's like a 6'2 burly man that means business. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's like the, and they're cliches at this point, but all the movies where like somebody says, he's like being real serious and somebody says something, he's like, ha ha. Yeah. Or he's like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's when you know you become a walking, like, archetype of a character yeah. when you start getting, like, an SNL impersonation of you. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I love in these movies, he has that one. Like in this one, he's like, I'm going to burn your family down or I'm going to take your family apart piece by piece. Yeah. Piece by piece. And then yeah. he does the same thing in Training Day. He's like, <laughs> King Kong ain't got shit on me. Like, yeah. He's so good. Yeah, that. it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we, we were laughing about taking the Pelham 1, 2, 3. And I hope we get to do that on this show someday. Yeah, why not? It's one of my favorites. It's a classic, too. It's a remake, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the. So uh, is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a remake as well. I, I, you know, Tony Scott clearly was wa- wanting to remake films that he loved growing up. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, Something that's so funny about that movie, and I would say Pelham 1 3 is the worst of the Tony Scott Denzel movies. It's the fifth the fifth good. Yeah. The fifth worst. Fifth good, yeah. Uh, I don't want to call any of them bad because I love them <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. But there's this great sequence in that movie where it's like basically Travolta and Denzel and they're negotiating over oh, the, the phone. Oh, the phone call. And oh, he's on the so phone good. with him. And he's like, Denzel's a, a subway operator and, and Travolta's like a crazy criminal who finds out that you know Denzel has been accused of bribery and that's why now he's answering the phone for dispatch for the subway and he's no mm-hmm. longer like a bigwig. Mm-hmm. And he's on the phone and he's like, Garver, I want you to admit what you did. He's like, he's like, I don't want to talk about this. I, let's just talk about the issue yeah, at hand. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, did you take a bribe? He's like, like, what, what are we talking about this for? And it's just the conversation finally. He's like, I'm going to shoot this kid in the face if you don't tell me what you did. And he's like, three. He's like, let's stop. He's like, two. He's like, I'm not going to. And he goes, well, he's like, okay, I took a bribe. Like, I took a bribe. <laughs> I took a bribe. And he, I took a bribe. What'd you like, take the bribe for? He goes, how much was it? How much was it? Oh, yeah. It was, it was $30,000. And he's like, What'd you spend the money on? He's like, I just what'd you spend the money on? Carver goes, I used the money to put my daughters through college. I'm it's too like, daughters. Oh, so yeah. honorable, yeah, it's so, so good. It's, you're, you're a goddamn hero, Garver. Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> Garver, you're my goddamn hero. That's my favorite yeah. line of the movie. It's just like, it's the essence of a Denzel character, yeah. right? It's oh, yeah. flawed. And he's, so anyway, uh, that's that's the era that this was sort of happening in, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the front end of it, and then he does these kind of movies for another five or six years. Uh, I think he's. He's still in that typecast, but he's probably getting a little old to play. Yeah, I mean, when I yeah. saw Eli, I was really let down. He can yeah. also just retire off of his winnings, I guess you could call them at this point. Yeah. He doesn't really need to keep... You know, if he doesn't like a, a, a role he's given, he just doesn't have to take it at this point in his career, I oh, think. Yeah. He's making Equalizer 2, because Equalizer 1 did so well financially. Really? That well, that, that makes sweet. sense. Yeah. yeah, this was ridiculous. That's a movie that we have to do on the oh, show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's like, yeah. I, I'll just do Denzel movies for the rest of the show. Not? Cruise just do one Denzel, week. Cruise, and, and Cage movies. Yeah, just one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Like 50, 60 episodes. Uh, so now let's talk Dakota Fanning a little bit. Let's talk Dakota. This is like Dakota. very young Dakota Fanning. Yeah, this is like yeah. the beginning of her career, really. Yeah, and she kills it. In She's movie. amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. Her sister Elle Fanning, we were talking about her before the show, is also an amazing actress. And they've both like they had their own. They had like stints in TV and doing sort of the yep. the LA actor thing, and then they started graduating to bigger and better movies. And it's interesting because you can see all their careers tick different turns as they're like sure. I need to be more serious I need to do more independent stuff now right. and they're right. getting waver- older I'm getting know? older yeah and they're sort of wavering between all these different movies but they're both those girls are incredible actresses they're so good yeah she to me in this movie is the Ed Harris the Gary Oldman uh, of okay. Air Force One and The Rock even yeah. though Denzel is great yeah like he definitely outacts those the other leads yeah, in those yeah. movies mm-hmm. um, but she is that thing that ties it all together. Right. Yeah. She makes their relationship so real and so, like, just believable. She's yeah. so mature. Yeah. For what you see and then, like, the just, yeah, the way she handles herself, There's it's so legit. There's You can tell there's not an ounce of dishonesty in the yeah. And complete respect to her as an actress. She took Spanish swimming and piano lessons for this movie. Oh, really? In which she speaks Spanish, like, five times. Yeah. She pays piano once. 
and she was burping through it, which she actually had to get a stunt burper because she couldn't do it on her own. I wonder you to get a stunt burper? She got a stunt burper, yeah. <laughs> oh, put that's me, amazing. Put me in movies, give me a stunt burper. How old was she when, she, when they made this movie? How old um, is she now? She uh, is, according to I Am DeBizzle, uh, she is 21 now, so she, she was, was born 10? in 94, she was 10, yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. Very impressive. Very yeah. impressive. I was not doing anything of importance when I was 10. No. So. I was playing Pokemon cards. I was yeah, Tubby exactly. and I had a bowl cut. I was Tubby <laughs> and I had a bowl cut as well. Uh, <laughs> she did Her three movies prior were Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat in 03, Uptown Girls in 03, and Sweet Home Alabama in 02. None yeah. of which are particularly memorable to me, though I haven't seen any of them recently. I've seen two of these movies. I grew up with three sisters and a mom. I've mm-hmm. seen Sweet Home Alabama many times. <laughs> People like that movie a lot. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. It was very popular. Well, she uh, went on from this to do, like, War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, Charlotte's Web. She was the lead in that. And now, yeah, now she's, like, a she's getting into adult roles. She's grown yeah, up. I mean, she's yeah, she was in all her... the Twilight movies, too, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she was in The Runaways a few years back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she's got a few things coming out, actually. She's... We were looking her up at one point. We were trying to contact people to see if we could get in for this episode. But luckily, we got Jimmy Wong instead. That's hey, right. Uh, we would have gone. Any you could have gone the fanning in here? Yeah, well, we were working on it. Jeez. <laughs> she, was out, she was out of the country, I think, is what Oh, it my was. gosh. Or just tell me when she's here because I want to shake her hand and tell her how awesome she is. She's pretty great. She's pretty great. So let's uh, let's get into production development, how this movie got made. So as you yeah. mentioned, Jimmy, this is a remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original film was made in 1987. Uh, and Tony Scott. Like ironically, was supposed to direct the original, but the studio. I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. The studio didn't want to let him do it because he didn't have enough credibility as a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. And then again, ironically, yeah, again, ironically, Top Gun comes out in '86, the highest grossing movie of 1986. And when they finally make Man on Fire in '87, it's directed by some other guy. And at that point, Tony Scott was in the stratosphere yeah, already, yeah. absolutely, as an up and comer. I mean, they gave him the sequel to Beverly Hills Cop. He did Beverly Hills Cop Two. Uh, but uh, fun fact is, uh, Denzel kills the original John Creasy in Training Day. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Scott Glenn, right? Scott Glenn. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Creasy, by the way, is the name of the main character in the show. Oh, yeah. Not, uh, in Man on Fire, not the show, the movie. Yes. So uh, it's actually based on a book mm-hmm. written by A.J. Quinnell, and his real name is, I believe, written here, Philip Nicholson. So uh, it was uh, A.J. Quinnell was his pen name. That was right. what he used to write. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's a whole series of these books, the Man on Fire, the Creasy books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man on Fire was the first one. He, he wrote five of them. Uh, and then and the last one was written in like I think oh uh, ninety six yeah ninety six. So I want to talk to you guys real quick about yeah. how the original Man on Fire book ended and what you guys think about the way that this movie ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what happened originally? Uh, Pinta was her name because it was filmed in Italy. Yeah. I mean it was a uh, based in Italy. Yeah. And, and they changed it into Lupita, so it's Pita now. Right. Pita bread. Because uh, <laughs> I, I read that uh, Pinta in Spanish is slang for whore. Yeah. So they did not want Dakota to have that name. Uh, Anyway, so what happens in in the original book is that Denzel, same same beginning, he's bodyguard for this girl. She gets kidnapped after they get close. Uh, She dies. Dies, Yeah, she she ends up getting, she chokes on her own vomit, dies, and she was also raped. So he's like crazy angry, right? So he goes into recovery like in this movie with Giancarlo Gianni. Um, he, He builds a relationship with them. He trains. He gets healthy. He falls in love with the daughter. And then he goes on this tear where he kills... He just takes down the whole entire mafia. And then he kills the Don. And then he's pronounced dead, but he ends up surviving. Now, I wonder if that would have happened in this movie. Let's say Dakota Fanning does die, which no one wants to see. I think that's a part of it. Let's say she does die, which she doesn't have to. And he goes on this tear and he kills the voice. I would watch Man on Fire too. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of room for like a sequel of sorts, but... Yeah, I mean, you never actually see him die. 
Uh, it's just assumed. Right. Yeah, and he's also being driven off, like, to the bad guy. Like, he's not gonna... He's done for. Well, there's actually an original filmed ending that they mm-hmm. don't show. Oh, really? We actually have... Uh, yeah, we can show it here Should in the background. Should we do it now? Yeah, we can show it now. I mean, it's we're, we're talking about how the movie got made. This is an interesting piece of it. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, in the, in the original, it's it's that he... They, they continue the shot, and it's essentially that he's, like, going along... And he gets taken into the, like the voice's house, uh-huh. and he, you know that he's bleeding out uh, right. because you've seen like the blood dripping off his finger and right, everything. Right, right. And as he's talking to the voice, and it, it cuts just like right before the end, but um, he keeps like looking down at his watch, and that's implying that someone's coming to save him. No, no. no. The, as the detonator, oh, <laughs> he stuck a, he stuck one of the things up his own uh, C four suppository. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and in the, in the, it cuts in this clip just like a second before it, but in the in like the final moment, it's like it shows like the, the clock ticking down, and it's like deep 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 deep, and then it goes black, and that's the end. That's it's supposed amazing. to be assumed that he like blows the guy's house yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Jimmy, would you have preferred to see that than the ending that happened in this movie? Seeing a rectum bomb going off. Uh, you see Denzel the- <laughs> look down at his watch, smile, and then an explosion. You know, I don't. It's interesting because there is that bit of. You don't get that catharsis of, like, the real bad guy never dies in the movie because you just see right. Denzel being like, he rescues the girl. And, and maybe that's just why they decided to cut it there is that that was the most important thing is that the girl was rescued. It's not about, like, a like a full revenge or whatever right. because the most important thing has happened. And you assume that Denzel's going to die in the car or he's just going right. to figure out something. You know, he's he's going to get it done the other way. I don't know. Right. It's kind of a cop-out at the end of the movie. They just, like, they cut and then it's, like, uh, John Creasy, you know, whatever, 56 to 2004 or whatever it is. And then it says uh, the voice was killed during a raid on his house or during arrest. It's it's funny that they like try to, they sort of sell it as if it's a real story. Yeah, it's which is weird. Yeah. I mean, aside from aside from the the names of the kidnappers, which yeah. are like uh, the, Daniel and, and Aurelio, Aurelio, or, I think, Aurelio, yeah, who yeah. are based off of real. Yeah, and that's the real names of like the famed late '90s kidnappers in Mexico City, known um, as the ear lobbers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a bad ending though to see the beep beep and then cut to black because then. I don't know. Is that just too much? Is it is it nicer to end it on like this calm moment where Creasy's just like looking up and like he's like, I did it. I'm right. Like, I did what I had to do. The movie's already two and a half hours long, right? <laughs> you'd, you'd be getting you'd be like ranging right up into the like the two forty five yeah. range. And this movie already at times feels too long to me. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I enjoyed the whole movie, but it's a very long movie. I don't know, maybe it maybe it is just nice that it ends there and is a peaceful ending as opposed yeah. to uh oh here's one more zinger. Looks like the clip's not working, huh? I don't know. Might have played uh sometimes it uh uh, I'm not oh, sure, well, but it talked about it. Yeah. Oh, here, oh, here, here we go. Yeah. So uh, there's the iconic just flashes, yep, power zooms, stylized. There, yeah. He's in the house of the uh, the voice here. How yeah. is he even walking at this point? Jesus. Right. He took another yeah. bullet to the chest in basically the same place the first time he got shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's funny because I actually I love the ending, and there's there's a consistency in Tony Scott in the way he likes to end these movies. It's the same. It's the similar way that Pelamens actually. Uh-huh. Pelamens with that really peaceful. He has to take out Travolta at the end, right? Um, and it's you know he's on the bridge and it's like this really calm. I gotta go home and he's just like, get milk. I love that movie. Yeah, uh, gotta get milk. <laughs> yeah, they all, all of the yeah all of the Denzel ones with Tony Scott have that have that like very calm sort of like he likes to wrap it up. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't like a big explosion and and a, like it's not that we're not making the equalizer. It's yeah, it's not Scott. the end of speed. You know, it's no, it's a calm. It, it's it, it leaves you. Is that a coin? It's the it, necklace that oh, the, the Lupita got him. Yeah. yeah, the patron saint of lost causes. Right. So he's just kind of like he's just done. Yeah, he's saying his amends. This poor yeah. guy is just talking, and he's just like, oh, I can't even hear you right now. I'm 
dying really slowly. I know. I love that they show the blood running down the couch and yeah. all that. I would see whenever I see a scene like this in the movie, I'm just like, no, the couch. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, that's that. really an incredibly expensive white leather couch. But then, you're yeah. also, but then you're also like, this guy's so happy to kill Denzel. He doesn't care. He'll just get yeah. a new couch. Yeah, he'll get a new couch. Oh yeah, he's so rich. It doesn't matter. Gets the gun out. Of course, it's always the the signature trophy gun it's hidden like a in a case. Sweet gun yeah. in a case. Yeah. Also, if you think about how they're shooting this, so they, they he, Scott loves these like circle pans that are mm-hmm. super tight and like right in the face, and it's moving in the background left to right. Like they would have to clear out every other piece of furniture in the room to set up this giant dolly just to get those like tiny little shots. Right. Oh yeah, that's totally okay. I got you. Yeah, yeah you yeah. see. So he's got the he's got the second watch on. Yeah. It is this clip we found for whatever reason cuts literally like two seconds before you see the beep beep beep. Yeah. I hope so. And then it goes beep beep beep, and he smiles and looks down it's at it, beep, and that's beep, it. Beep, yeah. Beep. Yeah. But uh, so that's the original ending. So it's funny this this movie. You know he had he had uh, wanted to make the original, and he was thinking about doing a remake, and so he runs into Denzel and I guess the the office, the waiting room of like a medical building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had like literally watched I Am Sam. This is Tony Scott the night before making this, and they hadn't seen each other in almost a decade since right. the film Crimson Tide. Yeah, since Crimson Tide. So he runs into him and he was like, oh, he immediately thought of it. He's like, oh, this is perfect. Like he, I should just. And it's it's so funny because Denzel's six two. Yeah, he's a big dude, and yeah. at this point in his career, he had he had packed on a little bit of weight. You know, he yeah, was. You see it when he, he has that suicide scene. Yeah, he wasn't like fat; he's just burly and big. And yeah, I, he's I, just more of an adult. <laughs> I think yeah. even even in the choices of the clothing that he has him wear, the big like big shouldered box. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can tell like the suits the almost look too big for him in the, the yeah, movie. Yeah. It's interesting. And the drapey suits. I think it's because he wanted him to be this big like bear compared to Dakota Fanning. Right, he seems so much bigger. Yeah, he's a big sad bear. She says. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Um, one one like little funny piece of trivia. Uh, you were telling me about with Brian Helgeland and Quentin Tarantino, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We read that online. Uh, so Helgeland is in, in 87. He walks into a video store where, uh, I don't know, Quentin Tarantino, if you guys have heard of him, was yeah, yeah. working there. And uh, he, he didn't know what to watch. So he's like, hey, Tarantino, uh, what, or kid. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Was what, hey, really what it was Mark like. Hey, kid, Boa. dude. Yeah. yeah. What should I watch? And, and Tarantino's like, you should watch Man on Fire. It's one of my favorites. The original Man the on original Fire. The original Man on oh, Fire. Wow. Nice. And that kind of sparked this yeah. love for this film and this character for Hel- Helgeland. So 17 years later, he's, you know, rewrites the he re- yeah. writes the remake. Well, not to mention Tarantino also worked on the script for True Romance. So yeah. you know, maybe maybe he had a little bit of say there maybe there was a little of interaction that we talked about man on fire before yeah maybe maybe it's it is funny that like that's the that's widely regarded as the best tony scott movie true romance Mm -hmm. it's the most critically acclaimed yeah it's a quentin tarantino script yeah Yeah. it's gonna be a tarantino movie but he just and then what that movie feels like uh pulp fiction but like not but like tony scott's version yeah Yeah. because there's like a war veteran and there's like you know it's like all these little things that are similar to pulp fiction that you can just yeah it's it's really interesting movie if you watch it well it really doesn't feel like the tony scott movies we're talking about now yeah no No, it's it's totally a tarantino script this is a different part in tony scott's career too yeah like you were saying like the stylization is just like just well this oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. style this is totally different i was gonna say like crimson tide and uh true romance are made in back-to-back years Mm -hmm. and Crimson Tide really feels like this kind of movie. Yes. Yeah. It, yes. It's totally a Tony Scott movie to the nines. Even, even more so than Top Gun. Top Gun's almost too ridiculous. Like, Top yeah. Gun's entertaining, but, like, it's very silly while you're watching it. Yeah. Crimson Tide is, like, pretty awesome. It's kind of dramatic. It's full of fist bump moments. And it's weird that it was made in, in just one subsequent year to, uh, to True Romance. It's like, uh, yeah, back to back. So it's a weird pairing. He was like finding his groove as a director, still kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad that Tony Scott eventually 
settled on the idea that the camera should never be still. <laughs> yeah, ever. Because if you watch Deja Vu, it's just like... Yeah, right, yeah, It's yeah. just like, it feels like Michael Bay, but more with heart. There's always, like, intention behind the camera movies. Yeah, I think Michael Bay does a lot of his stuff. Yeah, so Bay was offered to, uh, to direct this. Yeah, yeah I'm so glad he did. Literally what you just said, Michael Bay with heart, that's like what Drew and I talk about all the time when we talk about right, Tony right. Scott. Yeah. As we've done this show, more and more we've realized how much we enjoy Tony Scott's movies, yeah. and, like... That's the just that's the definition. Because I used to think that the ultimate action movie auteur was Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. I used to think that he was the guy. Right. He was the guy that if you had to define a style, you could pick out a Michael Bay movie from a lineup. I think that's true, but I think Tony Scott far more so. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Michael Bay likes what he's doing, and he came from commercials and stuff, so he knows how to make stuff look really pretty and nice and feel big. But at the same time, there's I just don't think there's a real connection between yeah. emotion and what he's filming. I yeah. like that Michael Bay with heart. That's definitely yeah. that's definitely a good way to describe him. Yeah, it's dead on. So uh, getting into some of some of like the team behind the movie. So there's a bunch of producers, um, some you know heavy hitters. Obviously, Tony Scott. Mm-hmm. Produced his own movie. Um, James W. Scotch Doble, who That's produced some other ones, True right. Romance, Crimson Tide. He also worked recently on Birdman and Django Unchained. Uh, and then lastly, you have Arnon Milchan, who's kind of, that's the, he's the ultimate badass of the group. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's definitely the crazy producer of the group. So he's an Israeli citizen and a resident of Israel. He also is a former key Israeli intelligence operative from the mid-60s <laughs> to the 80s. Jeez. Just in case he wasn't cool enough. Just, yeah, he's like regarded as one of Hollywood's like most prolific uh, producers. Uh-huh. Uh, everything, I mean, what, what do we list here? Like, we well, he created Regency, so. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the movies listed Fight Club, Heat, Man on Fire, mm-hmm. the original Man on Fire in 87, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, just, just a couple. Yeah. And yeah. he's, and he's been doing this for like almost forty years now. Like yeah, thirty something years, I think. So he's imagine definitely... all the intel he knows now about Hollywood. Love <laughs> <laughs> to his brain. Clearly, clearly. Uh, so yeah, that's the production team. You've got you've got. Uh, I mean, there's and there's like four or five other producers, but those are the ones that really stuck out with right. the filmographies that really were were notable. Uh, Tony Scott, younger brother to Ridley Scott, who's obviously famous for Alien, Blade Runner, Gladiator, and soon uh, the Mars movie. What's it called? Oh, that new one that's coming out? Yeah, yeah. With Matt Damon? Yeah. Martian? Yeah, it's a Ridley Scott movie, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. I'm almost positive it is. I'll double check, but you keep going. I with, love Gladiator. Also with Jessica Chastain, or am I just being... Yes, uh, so it turns out that Jessica Chastain has forgiven uh, Murph. Uh, Murph yeah. has forgiven uh, yeah. you know, Matt Damon for being a total butthole in, in, in Interstellar. <laughs> it's weird, that, right? Like I, You see yeah. me, you're like, what the hell? I know, it was yeah. weird for me to even see Matt Damon in space again because it is just so... With Jessica Chastain. Yeah. So bizarre. Yeah. Maybe it isn't Martian. I could have swore it was, though. Oh, okay, I'll look this up now. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, so Scott, you know, younger brother Ridley, you mentioned commercials for Bay. Actually, uh, Tony Scott had come from the same place. Yeah, it's Ridley he, Scott. He worked with Ridley on commercials, like I think, in the seventies, mm-hmm. uh, and then he started to kind of get his get his groove. His first movie I've never seen was called The Hunger. I think that's yeah, called? I've never seen it either. From eighty three, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he had that same sort of stylized coming from commercials. It's funny when you watch these movies, you almost feel like he should have been a, a music video director. Yeah, it's yeah. surprising that he hasn't ever done a music video. Yeah, even more so than more so than Ridley. Like he's yeah. I mean, he uses music so effectively. Like, he uses music in this movie a lot. I mean, in yeah. the rave scene, it's, like, basically a music video. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, And it's done really, really well. The music we should talk about for a minute on this movie. Yeah, it's very interesting. Right. So so we first we first both noticed, and I was wrong, I thought it was Enya, but you, you said it was a different artist, right? Yeah, I can't remember the, her name off the top of my head. So, it's got a lot of that wailing. <laughs> it, well, it actually is pulled... It So it's the same girl that sings on the Gladiator soundtrack at the end when Russell Crowe's dying. Uh-huh. Um, and it sounds the same. It's the same first note. Like, yeah, the same huh. first like verse or f- yeah. first few words. 
And uh, they play it in this movie like four or five times. Yeah. And it's at those moments, those all kind of like melancholy moments. Now, yeah. even weirder, and this is something that maybe like more of like the general fans will just immediately... Re- so you guys know in the Lord of the Rings movie... The yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like concerning Hobbits or something like that, I think. It's the, it's in this yeah. also. It's the it, same music. It's really? changed a little bit. Barely. But it is very similar. Like that that thing I just did is basically it's, in this movie. Right. There's but just more going on. Ver- yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Same melody, which is super and, weird. And now, is there out. a connection between the composers and stuff? No, May- we went through and looked, and it's not... No, it's, yeah, it's not. Like, yeah, but also, like, Return of the King came out in 03. This came out in 04. Like, mm-hmm. it's... They're pretty close. Yeah. You know? Music does that a lot, though. I mean, there's so... If you, like... So oh, many yeah. people have aped other people's soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. When you feel how impactful they are in a movie, and you're like, if I could do that in my movie, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they do. Yeah. So he... Uh, yeah, Tony Scott really kind of made a name for himself, as, and definitely as he became this sort of stylized guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, Top Gun gave him a huge amount of credibility. So the late 80s, he does Beverly Hills Cop 2. Crimson Tide was a big success in 95. True Romance was well-received. Yeah. Um, and then as he got into this era of his career, he just started to work almost exclusively with Denzel. He did four movies with Denzel between 2004 and 2010. As we mentioned, Deja Vu, Unstoppable, Taken Film, 1, 2, 3, and Men on Fire. Um, he had several other films announced, uh, unfortunately, before he commits suicide, jumping off a bridge. Yeah, in including yeah. the Warriors remake and Top Gun 2. Yeah. He had been working on like location scouting with crews on Top Gun Two, and uh, I know that some of the some of the shots that he had in mind for the for Warriors the remake uh, involved the bridge actually that he jumped off of. Yeah, uh, that was it was like I think he had been location scouting at that space, um, and it's it's pretty pretty sad because the the crippling depression that's associated with uh, his with his death. Like he told his family for years, and, and this is we read this somewhere online. Yeah, that he had uh, cancer. Yeah, he, that he had been struggling with cancer, and that wasn't true. In fact, it was just crippling depression. That was yeah. that was what it was cited for his death. So, and he was still trying. You know, he was still trying to work through it. He was still working hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of one of our mutual friends, a writer, had had been talking about working on a film with him actually, and had just seen him a couple of weeks prior to the death, and said. He, when he found out, he just was like, "What? Lord. Yeah. yeah, Tony, really? Like, yeah." Um, so that's yeah, that's definitely definitely kind of a bummer. Once again, rest Huge in bummer. peace, Tony. We yeah, love your peace, movies, Tony. man. It's like my all-time favorite. Um, but uh, let's get into how this movie was received. And you mentioned this a little bit with your with your statement at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's yeah. so sorry, I was gonna say ahead. the most interesting disparity here is is uh, the difference between critical. From the fans, yes, mm-hmm. and the audience, or uh, the audience and the critics, yes. So what what do we write here on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which was like our best barometer? Thirty eight percent from top critics and ninety percent from the audience. Yeah, thirty eight percent is that just doesn't make any it's sense. Crazy this movie is me. amazing. And the other thing that that's crazy, we don't usually use IMDb a lot because I find it to be like almost too critical. Yeah, uh, but IMDb gave this movie a seven eight, which is very very high. Yeah, especially yeah. for this type of movie. Uh, so it's weird that the critic and, and like I, again, I think that goes back to my thesis. I think it was too much for a lot of people at the time that it came out because this is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. like I went back and watched it again yesterday, and I was just like, "Damn, this is a really good movie." I forgot how great this movie really is. Like it's two hours and twenty six minutes or something like that, and I didn't have that moment of where this is too long. No, I I, I agree with you. I. Well, just because it picks up towards the latter half, and it's you're just you know there's it spent so much time setting up. The, the first revenge, that yeah, you're so excited to see it. it. Doesn't matter the yeah. time at least. The first hour is just the relationship. 
that's between yeah, him and Dakota Fanning. It's 50 minutes before the first action sequence. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I when I was watching this, was sort of like, this at 2.30, this is a little long for me. Uh-huh. Like, I enjoyed it, but I feel like you could have cut that down to 2.05. Action easily. movies in general should not be over two and a half hours, I feel yeah. like. No, you yeah. could definitely cut it down, but I didn't mind it. There were yeah. just, like, some sequences I can remember watching where you're just sort of like, why is this in the movie? Like, mm-hmm. right. l- largely, like, Christopher Walken's character is totally irrelevant. <laughs> just doesn't need to be in the movie at yeah. all. He just kind of, he's like the hype man. Yeah, well, there's, like, that that one scene where he's like, a man's worth is the, like, I can't do Christopher Walken, but he's like, <laughs> it's like, it's defined by what he can do. Or it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, He's like, like Creasy, Creasy's art is death. Is yeah. death. Yeah, that's he's about, about to paint his masterpiece. masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, it's like, <laughs> It's so awesome. That whole sequence, you're just like, we know he's a badass already. Yeah. Why is the scene in the movie? Yeah. It's just so Christopher Walken gets that sweet line. Yep, it's true. That's my favorite line from the movie, so. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> sweet yeah, line. That's, that's a great line. Yeah. Death is his master. He's about to paint his masterpiece. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. Hyperbole. Crazy's hottest. Yeah. It's like, it's like, this is a Magnus Opus. Yeah, it's so good. So, uh, yeah, it's the budget Magnus on this Opus. was $70 million. Um, It only made seventy seven nine domestic, which yeah. is by, that's, that's, for a movie like it's this, a failure. that's a flop. Yeah, um, you know, it only made one hundred thirty back, uh, minus the advertising, of course. I mean, right. worldwide, it only made one thirty. Yeah, I mean, sixty. Like you clear sixty on top of your budget to pay for everything. This, it's surprising that actually Tony Scott got to make three more movies with Denzel. It had a really strong opening weekend. Yeah, it did. It opened number one uh, over thirteen, going on thirty. Yeah, which grossed twenty one mil. Uh, and then just dropped off. It's, yeah, it's weird. Kill Bill Volume 2 and The Punisher. The uh-huh. Tom Jane Punisher. Those were number one and two the week before. And they dropped by almost 60% in profits in one week. Yeah. it's just It was just a weird time in theaters. Like, you go through and you look at the numbers at, at the box office at that time. And all, no movie was really doing great other than uh, hmm. uh, Passion of the Christ. Oh, yeah. It was the only one that was up in the hundreds of, like, 350 million domestic. Really? I was making yeah. a lot of money. Here's, like, some pretty interesting stuff to talk about. So we have a graphic we want to put up of the, the worldwide gross of all of Denzel Washington's movies, his top 20. This shocked me. Yeah, Especially this, for someone that loves the budget and the numbers as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised to see this. Definitely this was one of the most surprising pieces of information that I've ever found when we were doing this. Yeah. That we've ever found. Uh, his highest grossing movie of all time only made 2665 Worldwide, that's insane. American Gangster, and look at how numbers. much did Jurassic World made open it's up weekend? To, it's at a billion now. Oh, yeah. it made like thirteen days. Yeah, fifty-four million worldwide. Maybe Denzel just needs to do more movies with dinosaurs. Well, apparently. Like, okay, so so two of this is the other thing that blew my mind. Did you see Safe House, Jimmy? No, I did not. Nor did I. I remember no. that movie coming out and yeah. being like, "Is this a straight-to-video Redbox movie?" Or I'm not sure. Like it was like Ryan Reynolds, but the year after Green Lantern, so he yeah. was kind of like, I was "Like, what's going on?" And then. Number five is The Equalizer. Two of his top five grossing movies of all time are movies that, to me, look like Redbox throwaways that have come out yeah. in the last two years. You know, there is something to be said about international sales when it comes to these kinds of movies. Um, just because sometimes the the crappy premise yeah. works really well for international audiences. Right. Well, here's an interesting one. Okay, so Man on Fire domestically, right? I think we have here at number 16. Mm-hmm. So we have Will Smith's all-time gross we can pull up on, on, on camera Yeah, because these were kind of like the two big black actors this, of the 2000s. These are like the preeminent, yeah, like yeah. the, the big ones. Snipes, yeah. And you look at Will Smith's numbers, and yeah. it's just oh, they're absurd. insane. 800, 600, 600, 600. Like, yeah. he's, got, he's got like 14 movies that made $200 million dollars or more worldwide. You have to go all the way down to yeah. like number 10 before you even get one that's... Even, no, 11. Yeah. yeah, before you get to a... 
when you talk about international sales for movies that are kind of subpar, Hancock is the definition of that. That's not <laughs> a good movie, or it's at least a pretty boring movie. And like mm-hmm. that, that made six hundred twenty-four yeah. million dollars. Yeah. There's just something so bankable about Will Smith well, overseas he opened, like, and here. He opened like nine movies at number one in a row, or yeah, something. At absolutely, one point. yeah. And, and they started making paid. movies with his kid, and then that's when <laughs> and then that's what happened. Well, it's just weird that you. I mean, I would never in a million years if I was on like a game show and they're like, we're going to pay you five hundred thousand dollars if you can even get within forty percent of being correct on this. And uh-huh. I like compare the top ten Will Smith, top ten Denzel. Just give no, me random numbers. I would not even be close. Yeah. I would miss it by a mile. Yeah, because I mean, all the top ten are Wills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, just I just would never have even begun to consider. If they'd be like, how much money did Safe House make? I'd be like, I don't know, 60, 50, 40. Yeah, yeah, so I have yeah, terrible yeah. vision, but even the thirteenth movie yeah. is still made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was oh, after oh, yeah. Earth. I see. Yeah, okay. So, Enemy it, of the State is the first one that Denzel's number one made more than. Yeah, yeah, and that's also two two hundred fifty million unadjusted from ninety eight. But, but, but that's two, just American Gangster. So that means that After Earth made more money than every single one of Denzel's movies except for American Gangster. Right. Yeah. After yeah. Earth, what a piece of garbage. Bad Boys Two, man. Bad Boys yeah. Two made more money than anything Denzel's ever been in. I mean, that it's movie is insane. pretty great, though. Yeah, it is, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, Denzel, he's just, apparently he's not as bankable as you think he is. No. Yeah. But he's just the man. He's I love, the man. I love Denzel. And these, the these Tony Scott movies are the ones that make me love him the most. You know what I think it is, is that uh, Will Smith is very good at being very bright and funny and very, like, sort yeah, of he's, charming he's, and likable. And yeah. Denzel just sort of skips that whole phase of... Uh, like attractability when it comes to him as an actor he's just like he's charming but yeah he's not as quite as attractive or yeah, he's like he's doesn't not, have that same he's not like the kind of guy that boy-ish. would bounce into a room and start a conversation up and everyone would be invested Denzel like walks in he gets his job done and he right. gets out he's not like that kind I think he's just the it's, ultimate relatable everyman he's yeah, the ultimate everyman of all time I think I, it's a little introvert versus extrovert between Will Smith and Denzel yeah definitely something to, something point. to the tune of 400 million dollars yeah <laughs> something something like that pretty much uh, so yeah we have a couple reviews here uh you want to rattle these off, Drew? I know you pulled the the critical stuff. Uh, I think my yet. favorite one is by uh, Tom Long. It says, "Man on Fire" lacks the depth to truly ignite the screen, so instead does a slow, steady burn. It singes beautifully, but never explodes. Oh, it's dead on. Yeah, it's dead That's on. Nice, it's yeah. exactly this movie epitomized in like two sentences. Yeah, this movie is of a higher quality than. Um, a higher quality than like the class that it gets thrown into. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's a weird. It's like half an action movie and then half not. You know? Yeah, it's, it is extremely consistent. I'll say yeah. that much. Like it does. Like he says, it singes beautifully. That that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. There are some moments where you're like, yeah, explosions are huge, but then it just jumps back to like a moment of quiet or whatever, or of intensity. Absolutely. I guess the scale never gets that big. Maybe that's what people were waiting for, the big action movie. Like, they want to see the scene from Bad Boys 2 where they're driving down the favelas and like blasting. Like some like, crazy car chase. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a couple others. Richard Roper says, I'm recommending Man on Fire for that bold style. It's unapologetic comic book story arc and mm-hmm. the great performances from Denzel, Christopher Walken, and a young Dakota Fanning. Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty standard. Giving it credit, not saying it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Rex Reed, his basically says that uh, takes takes Denzel two hours to kill off as many people and demolish as many vehicles as Bronson used to do in thirty minutes. Right, which is f- pretty hilarious. It is. It is. It's totally, it's, totally true. It's a good call out. Yeah. 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 So, I hate that review. That's so dumb. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even talk about. I wasn't the movie. a big fan of it either, but I did put it in there because it just it's it's just kind of like that was kind of the complaint. It's yeah. too long. Uh-huh. Not enough going on. Uh, do you guys agree with my thesis? You think that this movie would be better better 
Oh, yeah. recepted now. Yeah, I think they would cut it a little differently to not be as, like, sporadic and jumpy. Right. Um, maybe, and they would definitely trim it down to, like, an hour 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And call it Taken and make it 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson yeah. in it, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's what they did, actually, and it was way more successful. It yeah. was. Well, it's because was. they get to the scene where Liam Neeson makes his, bro- like, broad proclamation of revenge way faster yep. in that movie. And, and then that's, like, the single fist pump moment that drives the whole thing. But Liam Neeson is also, like, not as, he's not as likable more relatable right that's well, and it's his daughter yeah. so he doesn't have to build a relationship with some girl he yeah, doesn't know yeah, yeah, it's to true. risk his life yeah there's like a lot more subtext here with like he tries to kill himself and the bullet and all I that I totally forgot about that yeah. when, I, when we watched it again I, I totally and then and then he gives the same bullet to, to Mark Anthony to kill. Yeah, 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 Mark Anthony, Anthony, yeah, bullet doesn't lie this movie's sweet oh it's awesome this movie's really yeah, good sweet yeah uh, let's talk about our ultimate action scene so this one as we say it doesn't hit action for 50 minutes um, it doesn't really have a single action scene that sticks out. So the, the, what we listed here, and we actually, what we have, we don't have the, the four the four scenes. It's like the four interrogation scenes yeah. where mm-hmm. he's grilling people and trying to get their information by physically threatening and then ultimately destroying them. Um, we found a second trailer that has no dialogue, and it's just a bunch of scenes from the movie. And you see a lot of the action in this trailer. So we can cue it and kind of just play it here in the background while we talk about them. Good idea. But uh, the the four scenes in question are the cutting off the fingers, the, the, cutting off the guy's fingers in the car when he duct tapes his hands to the steering wheel. Uh-huh. That's um, brutal. Killing the dude from Jersey in the nightclub. Mm-hmm. Um, the C four in the corrupt cop Fuentes's ass, and then lastly the shotgun that he takes to the brother's hand. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just like so much, it's just like so ridiculous and awesome. It's I mean that's that's the stuff people complained about. Yeah, that's all. That's the stuff that was too much in the second half of the film, and that's what for me makes this movie so good. Taken is remarkably, remarkably violent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, all modern action movies are pushing the boundaries in different ways now, and this really isn't that bad. No, but oh four, this is following up like the the big money maker kind of like big budget things coming out in the years prior to this were like I mean like I think the Last Samurai came out the same year as this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? that movie's pretty brutal too. Shoot, yeah, it is. It's it's not it's not even close to this, but it is intense. Yeah, there's yeah. some gnarly scenes in it. Um, I love that movie. I'm a big fan. I, uh, yeah, I these the four interrogation scenes are my least favorite is the Jersey. Let's see here we go. Oh, yeah. they just cut, they show the knife on top of the car. I that it's, that one's your least favorite. Uh, the Jersey one, yeah. When he when he's inside the nightclub because it's not oh, quite right, as right. intense. Uh, my yeah. favorite is the, the the fingers on the steering wheel. Yeah, I love it. I like the shotgun of the hand. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's brutal. I just like it. But we did we did mention this is this is interesting. So he he like you'd think he's going to kill everything that's dear to the voice, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you're like it, it would actually make sense for him to kill the pregnant wife, right? But they're not going to show you that. They're not going to let. No. You, they're not going to take you to that dark of a place. And I think the whole thing is like that baby is still completely. Innocent, even yeah, though the yep. mom may not technically be, and like, know. but and it, that, it's reminiscent though of that scene in Taken. Does he, he shoots a woman in the stomach? He shoots the yeah, guy. Shoots the his friend's wife. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's concealing information. So they were willing to go. I remember Taken being like, "Whoa, that is brutal." Yeah, and then in yeah. Mad Max, yeah, a pregnant woman actually dies, and yeah. right, and they cut her open and try to save the baby, and that's so it just shows. Again, this progression of how I much had more a beautiful baby brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just goes to show how much more okay we're getting with this crazy stuff. Yeah, and and again, Animal, they just show really gnarly stuff in that show as well. And that's on, like, network TV. You know, these are movies that are rated. I don't know, I really love Fuentes' butt blown I was going to say, imagine how terrifying that would be. Yeah. Like, to be sitting there, you're like, you're 
uh, what are those things? Zip tied to the hood of your car. Yeah, completely naked, pretty much. You know that there's something in your ass. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way you can't. The thing yeah. is very large. And then he tells you what it is. And you're like, you've got five minutes. Yeah. I love the countdown that they put. And that's one oh. thing they do a ton in this movie that maybe yeah. it threw people up. But they put the dialogue on the screen. Yep. Sometimes they, they put the five-minute timer. And you're like, five minutes? But then he does. He tells him everything he needs. And you're like, oh, my God. The five minutes once it kind of counts down. Oh, my God. Denzel, get out of there. You're going to blow up if it's too close. Ah! Yeah. That's a, that, that's a, again, that's another Tony Scott thing, though. It's all those movies. It'll, it'll, be, like, it'll be like August 17th, 8-11 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the next scene, it's mm-hmm. like 12-22 Mayor's office. Yeah, yeah they like, did a lot in Enemy of the State. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. all of them. He, I, I think, you know, he likes to build the tension that way. Yeah, yeah even his captions are stylized, and they're cool. Yeah, yeah they, they pop do. up in the middle of the screen. I remember when I first saw that, it threw me off a little bit, but then I just went with it, and I think it really adds to the movie. It's nice. It's yeah. funny. It's like the it's like the difference between Tony... Okay, this is, this is it. You go to a car lot, you're going to buy a car, right? And, like, uh, a, a really, like, a stuck-up guy is going to want, like, a maybe, like, a really nice, polished, like, vintage Jaguar or, like, some sort of, like, Maserati or something. Something, like, really classy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But, like, a Tony Scott movie is, like, something that actually we all like but we're kind of ashamed to admit we like. Maybe, like, a sweet Range Rover. <laughs> right. Or, like, or like getting, like, some kind of a, like I don't a know. Mustang. Like, yeah, like a Mustang. Yeah. And it's, like, you kind of look at it and you're, like, if nobody was going to judge me or pay attention, like, I, I would, would really like this. I would this. drive it. Right. I would yeah, totally drive exactly. this. That's, like, what it is to like a Tony Scott movie versus liking, you know, like, you, like, drive. It's, like, way cooler. Right. You know, right. but, like, I like the, I just like Tony Scott movies. I, I love not, this movie. I'm yeah. not ashamed to admit it at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, a, uh, a viewer did comment. It's true. He does not shoot her in the belly and take it. He the shoots leg? her in the arm. Yeah, oh, the arm. arm or the leg. Yeah, of course he's not going to freaking shoot the belly of a pregnant woman. That would never have flown. You're talking about Taken. And Taken, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Someone else, it was, it was in the arm. He's like, yes, we, yeah. He sh- but he does shoot a pregnant woman. <laughs> it's been, yes. yes it's, it's, been, it's been a little while since I've seen it. So uh, that's, you know, I don't know that we need to do much else with the ultimate action nah, scene. I don't think so. Yeah, it's sort of... Yeah. Actually, I think my favorite explosion in the movie, if we want to talk about that, <laughs> is when he sits there prepping the rocket launcher. Yeah. And they showed in all the trailers, the car like leaps up and like splits in half and yeah. blows up. Oh, it's so cool. I do love that he like he's going through picking out all these weapons in this yeah. arsenal and he's like, yeah, I'll get the rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to use it for, but I need it. Yeah. You know, I love Denzel. He doesn't say that, but yeah. that's, what, that's the dialogue yeah. that went on in my head. In his head, of course. <laughs> um, all right, I so- wish you had more time. Yeah. yeah. It's this, so great. He, he, he really does like, this is like sort of the ultimate badass Denzel yeah. in a lot of ways. This is, like, the time that he's, like, I guess Training Day, he's sort of more badass. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's, like, a little bit more believable in Training Day because it's, like, a little bit more of a credible movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is, like, the ultimate comic book badassness. He's a total comic book character in this movie. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into favorite line. I know I stole yours earlier, Jimmy. Yeah, Creasy's art is death, and he's about to paint his masterpiece. Yeah. You can just put Creasy with any other name, and it's badass. Yeah, it's sweet. It's yeah. super sweet. Yeah, mine was actually what he just said. It's like, what, what final wish? He's like, I wish... You had more time, and that's the walk away <laughs> explosion. Yeah. Don't look back. It's oh, just it's perfect. So good. Yeah. yeah, I got. And he uh, like looks up when he says it, and he's just like, "Boof!" He's yeah, out. it's great. Uh, there's, there's, terrible way to go. There's like so many good lines because in that same sequence, actually, he says he'll do more justice in a weekend than ten years of your course uh, in tribunals. Just stay out of his way. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah that's, that's, way. <laughs> that's a good one. But no, my favorite is uh, he's talking to Rod Mitchell, and he says, "I'm gonna do." She says, "What are you gonna do?" He says, "I'm gonna do what I do best." 
I'm going to kill him. Anyone who's involved, anyone who profited from it, anyone who opens their eyes at me. She goes, you kill them all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she tells me, yeah, you do it. Come on, man. Come on. I need you to do this. Yeah, there's actually another cut scene that uh, – and they, they allude to this when he first meets Rada Mitchell mm-hmm. um, because the way they look at each other in the handshake, it's very – it's clearly like a romantic oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. There's mm-hmm. a cut scene of them sleeping together in the car actually. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think it's after the daughter's taken. I'm not sure. I'm glad they don't keep that in there because I think it's a lot more pure if it's just there's yeah. no additional romance. Because that was in the yeah, book, Yeah, there's no right? ulterior motives. Because he, he yeah. falls in love with someone in the book after the daughter dies. Yeah. yeah. Falls in love with, the, I think, the daughter of, of the character that Giancarlo Gianni plays in this. Okay. I believe. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, that's good. That's not necessary. It's better to keep him and just as a very pure, motivated revenge killer and not need to mix in, like, our hero needs a romantic subplot sort yeah. of stuff. Do we think that, uh, and obviously, guys, you know, if you're watching this now, please, please, please uh, tune in with your favorite line, your fistball moments, things like that. That's, like, the things we'd like to hear the most. We'll get to recast in just a minute, which is the one we get the most interaction I on. love the recast. Yeah, well, often, like, we, you know, we spend a lot of time with our recasts, but there's just things that we just forget. It's, it's outside yeah. our canon of knowledge. There's hundreds yeah. of talented actors out there that yeah. can play a variety of roles. It's hard for us to always think of the perfect person. Shout out to Brian Hurst and Tampa I was gonna Movie say, Guy. Yeah, Brian Hurst and Tampa Movie Guy, you guys are awesome. And yeah. honestly, your recasts are better than ours half the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys just consistently every time. Just but, killing uh, it, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, just I think I think, I think think Brian, I think you've watched every episode and commented on every episode. Yeah, I think and then uh, Tam- Lee, Lee Hawthorne, I believe, is another guy that went back and he saw, he just saw last week's episode. And he went he went back and binge-watched every single episode we had. Really? It's nice. like 10 hours of content. Oh, wow. Thank you. So, yeah, to anyone who's that, doing man. that. Yeah, uh, obviously. You know, if I'm not shouting out and you've watched them all, you've commented on them all, please forgive me. That was just the names that came to mind. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's get into the next one here we do. And this is this is kind of a loose one. And I find this is like less and less relevant than I assumed it would be when we came up with this. Yeah. But the, the top sort of top 20, top 10 hero villain ranking. Um, there's no villain in this movie that ranks on a yeah, villain. Yeah, El Voce doesn't really make it onto the villain. I El think the Voce. hero's up there, though. You I think mean, Creasy? Like, he's a sweet, sweet hero. He's awesome. What he? I mean, like... Uh, it's completely unrealistic what he does. He, like, single-handedly takes on the Mexican cartel. And if you guys keep up on news, like, that is the worst <laughs> idea a single person <laughs> yeah. could ever have. He's not going to end up well. And, he, and he's an alcoholic who's, like, yeah. not even at his best. And he's yeah. dying, but he's still able to do it. Yeah. I honestly, I love him as yeah. a hero. Yeah, he's I love great. him. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, I hadn't really thought about that when going into it. I wasn't, I didn't really think. I was like, there's a chance that he would, he would rank on the all-time list. But mm-hmm. he probably breaks in somewhere. I, he's got to be somewhere up top. I yeah. don't know how. I'd say top 20. He's the most, one of the most realistic, even though it's not realistic. You know, like someone like John. John McClane? McClane is not realistic. And he's up, you know, he's at the top, but I think in terms of realistic. Yeah, because McClane's realism goes down with every single installment of the series. (laughs) It's also (laughs) really difficult to separate, like, iconic and and just, like, like, great. Like, for instance, like, McClane, Rambo, like, we had, you know, we had some other guys on here recently doing the Rambo First Blood Part 2 episode, and the the discussion was kind of like, is Rambo the greatest action hero of all time? And it's like, I like, you know, I like Creasy way more. Yeah, but like, yeah. but like Rambo is like way more iconic. Same with McClane. He's you had know, multiple characters. movies as well. And I think that yeah. adds to the whether, where you rank for all time. You know, Ethan Hunt. These are hard characters yeah. to break in front of with a guy like a one-off character. Like, but like Creasy. But I mean, it's you know, it's totally subjective. I, I like him a lot. I'd be comfortable offhandedly throwing him in the top thirty. Mm-hmm. I think higher than that starts to get dicey for me. But yeah, what about you? I can see that. Uh, let's go to Jimmy. I could see that. I mean, I can't. I mean, I was, my knowledge of action movies is not as deep as yours, having now done ten episodes. Right. Uh, and you guys just know a lot more about him in general. I, I feel like he's in top thirty. I think he can be top thirty. Top thirty. Yeah. I'm gonna. I say, don't think he oh, breaks top 
top 15. There's no way. That's yeah. high. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little way too, too high, high for a one-off character in the movie. And again, I wish that we could start doing a graphic or something of this so that we, we, could, we could rank him because yeah. I, I want to put him in the top 20 and he could even be higher than that and I'll tell you why. Okay. He's got the prerequisites that you have to have to be a oh. hero. 16 years, counterintelligence, Bolivia, Istanbul, Pakistan. <laughs> this man's an assassin. He's an assassin. Yeah. You're letting him loose. <laughs> He gets shot numerous times. His art is killing. And he's about to paint his master. His art is killing. <laughs> he's washed up. He's sensitive. Yeah. He's an alcoholic, so he's like he's an everyman. Yeah, he's relatable. Yeah. He's relatable, and like he does not take any prisoners. No. This dude is yeah. completely brutal. Like he does exactly what you want him to do. When, when it sucks, movies when they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get him back," and then they let people go, or they kind of beat yeah. him up, and right. they get information out of him. No, this dude cuts fingers off. This dude shoves C4 up your ass. This guy blows your hand off with a shotgun. Yeah, he is. He's a no complete badass. Well, and he's also it's also so good. It's such a he's such a good character, and their relationship is so good. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I got choked up and a tear came down my face at the end when he sees her on the bridge. And that didn't happen oh, to me. Yeah. The, the first time I watched this movie, yeah. I, do, I definitely did not cry. This time I got choked up. I was like totally, I was totally in on it. Like their relationship and him and he sacrificing himself to get her back. I just was like, this guy. Her screaming. Like, yeah. She's like, I love you, Creasy. Do you love me too? You know what? And you love me too, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And I love that. Because I also, of Fanning, man. Yeah, she's amazing. She's awesome. She I really like, is. I like that when he gets out of the car and he says to Roda Mitchell, you only, you, you put this through his head if anything goes wrong. Yeah. He says you only give him back and then instead of hugging him, like, she just puts her hand on his arm. Yeah. Right? He doesn't go for the hug. He just keeps walking. He doesn't go for arm, a hug. Like he, you're like, oh, is it going to be a hug right now? So, like, hand on the arm, walk away. Yeah. He's just he like, he's need that. He's all done. business. And again, yeah, that goes business. back to, yeah, what he was saying is they should not have slept together. And that's very good that Tony Scott cut that out. Yeah. Because you would you would be like, what? They didn't even hug when he said bye? Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have made any sense. No. Um, yeah, yeah. I, maybe he is higher. Maybe it's just because the movie's so sweet. He's great, though. Yeah. yeah, he is a very pure action hero. Yeah. Like, a lot of action heroes have a lot more flaws. He, like, gets his out of the way early and then goes through the movie. Yeah, I do love that in the car with with your or with the, with the I drink line. And Mark yeah. Anthony's like, well, uh, no one he's needs like, to I don't need to do that. No, or no one needs to know that, especially not my wife. Yeah. yeah. And he gets to the house, and the first thing that happens, she goes, can I get you something to drink? Jack and water. Yeah, and drinks yeah. Jack and he, water and he too. just what chucks and he just he just takes his a shot and he goes and hangs out with the daughter. Yeah, he's like, there's he, there's nothing. He doesn't care. Yeah, you know, he he's got it all laid out on the table. Yeah, nothing yeah. left to lose. And that's why I think he's definitely ranking above Liam Neeson and Taken. Because yeah, Liam oh, Neeson's definitely. Taken character is just like I am ultimate badass. I cannot lose to anything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, it's totally. also you have to give some credit to the script there because the script is right. an hour longer and has way 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 more interaction to build his character. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, that's the kind of character you'd be comparing him to. Yeah, uh, maybe he is top twenty. I don't know. That's probably something we should start doing is having the graphic being able cool. to throw it up on the screen there yeah. um, alright let's get into recast this is like our favorite uh, so what we're going to be doing on this one because this is 04 it's actually funny that this movie was made in 87 then made again in 04 made it again in 05 as a Bollywood film yeah really yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called like Ek Anjbi or something yeah. like uh, that's that that's amazing well the story is very enduring it's a great story yeah it's kind of remade in 08 in some ways as taken like not the same but like a lot of the same sort of feeling uh -huh. mm -hmm. and then if you were to remake the movie again now so coming out in like 2017 Yep. Man on Fire starring the characters we're going to do and I know this is a little disingenuous guys because Dakota Fanning should be one recasting the problem is right. my knowledge of like very youthful 10 year old female actresses is so slim I have no, no reason no, we to don't know need that to, yeah. for all intents and purposes it's just Dakota Fanning again it's yeah. like when we did the Rambo episode you don't recast Rambo 
yeah. you don't recast Dakota Fanning in this. Yeah. You just yeah. can't. So the, the ones you'd recast would be Denzel, Rada Mitchell, and Mark Anthony. Yep. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, with Jimmy. We're going to go with you. And okay. We will start with your Mark Anthony. We'll go with Oh, one. my Mark Anthony? Yeah. Um, I just looked at pictures of him, and after seeing... I, I thought Willem Dafoe would be a really oh. funny recast. Oh, interesting. I like Because he has old. that kind of scummy yeah. look to him. Yeah, yeah, And he can play that really well. And I don't see him enough as a bad guy. And I really like him in Spider-Man yeah. like as, as a bad guy in that movie. And I thought it'd be hilarious to see him in this movie as He's well. getting up there, but I mean, I, he doesn't really need to be that young. No. Yeah, he yeah. just needs to be a guy that is affluent and is able, and is conniving. Yeah, there is, there's the weird, whole, well, there's the whole thing with like, he's Hispanic and Dakota Fanning, if she's really his daughter, is as white as they come. Yeah. And his wife's very white. I know, blonde, blue. But it's in Mexico City, so it made sense to have a Hispanic father. I just, they never explain it. Yeah. I, I thought the whole thing was that it was just like a, a, a transplant family. They just live there now, and then the guy was just a scummy dad. Right, right yeah. But, but she has not, she doesn't look like she's at all Hispanic. Yeah, not even a little no, bit. Not even a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and their relationship through the whole movie is kind of weird. Yeah, it does. They, they never, They're, like, he doesn't really... Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it feels almost like it was her daughter from a previous yeah, marriage. Yeah, maybe it's a stepdad or something. Maybe. That's what it felt more like. Yeah. But, um, so my recast for Mark Anthony is Casey Affleck. That's Ooh, good. That's good, too. Yeah. I, I like that. He can do. He can. He can be that conniving, like kind of like creepy, scummy guy. He does have a very creepy thing to him. Well, he mm-hmm. plays... He plays um, Robert Ford in the assassination of Jesse James with a coward, coward Robert Ford. Yeah. yeah. He's real, real creepy and weird in that. Yeah. What was that movie he was in with Jessica Alba? Where he's like incredibly violent, abusive. I never watched it. I can't remember which one it is, but he's he's really good in that one as well. Interesting. Like is a it bad recent? guy. Yeah, huh. it's like the last few years. I went with Giovanni Rubisi. I love Giovanni Rubisi. Um, and I it's it's he's getting he's getting a little older. So now we're recasting in Italy, right? It's the we're going yeah, to Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but he's he's got that he has that ability to play really weak mm-hmm. and, and scummy. Yes. And that's kind of what you need. You can't he can't be too likable and Rubisi rarely plays a character that's that likable. He I think he could he could pull it off. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. I like Rubisi on that. Mm-hmm. All right, Rada Mitchell, Jimmy, what do you got? Uh, I said Lena Headey or Lena Headey oh, yeah, from yeah. Uh, she plays Queen oh, Cersei. Oh yeah, that's in, fantastic. Uh, Hundred. She's in. Uh... Yeah, she's Cersei in Game of Thrones. I mean, that's, yeah, that's her. I think she would be a great not high person, but like someone to like really be like, you got to go kill all of them, Carisi, because I could totally right. see her just be turning from like a like a very worried mother because she plays a mother so yeah. well mm-hmm. into just a like ruthless like murder. All I love them. that. That's way better than mine. What do you have? <laughs> uh, Zoe Saldana. Oh, that's oh, good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like, like her. So I know she, she can, can be the person that is not white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I need to fix this up a little bit. She she can be super intense. I can see her screaming at her husband like like Rada Mitchell does, which is incredibly believable. That's one of the most uh, important parts, yeah. Very yeah. intense. You know, if you don't kill him, I'm going to. She has to have the chops. Yeah. I feel uh, sheepish now. I went with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, which... <laughs> oh, that'd be great, I Gwen. Think, yeah, I mean, she's intense. She, she's, she's capable. Yeah, whatever. She's capable. <laughs> I'd like to see her break into tears and like really just like that, yeah. fall on the ground cr- like, oh, uh, my child. Well, because here's my theory. I thought about it and I was like, okay, we always talk about strong female characters on the show and they come up a lot. We ended up talking about like, right. you know, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt and Emily Blunt. Sigourney. And Emily Blunt. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, yeah. And it's it seems to be a thing a lot of the movies have a strong female character we like. And she's she is a strong female character. She's not strong in the sense that she's going and like t- kicking ass and taking names herself. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's not like Bryce Dallas Howard in last week. Where she, right. You know, it's yeah, like, right. She's, she's definitely got some balls. But the thing is, the scene that really comes to mind is the scene where she's screaming and she's slapping him. Yeah. And that was what I was imagining Paltrow doing. And I know she could pull that off and be believable. Yeah. I know she's a good enough actress. Yeah, and the thing for me about Rhonda Mitchell that, that really, like, let me know that she's 
means business yeah. is, is the way that she conveys her attitude at the very end of the movie. Yeah. If that dude tried to do anything, she would have blown his head off yeah. with that yeah. shotgun. There yeah. was never like the shaky, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. It was just like gun to the head, holding him by the hands. Like, if you do anything, I'm going to blow your head off. I thought my daughter was dead. I have yeah. nothing left to lose. Absolutely. Yeah. And if yeah. I see her and you do anything... You're dead. I killed my husband inadvertently. Yeah. My daughter's gone. Yeah. I don't care. Like, yeah. I want my daughter back, and if she, I'm not going to get her back, you're dying. This mm. is a really well-cast movie. I'm not a big fan of Mark Anthony, but other, other than that, this movie was really well-cast. Very well-cast. Actually, maybe, I was thinking for Mark Anthony, maybe you could have someone like Michael Fassbender. I, you know, I was actually going to say honorable mention to Michael Fassbender. 100%. Yeah. I thought about Fassbender. The only, my only issue with Fassbender is he's, he's almost, I think he's too, too strong and too likable. He's, he's very strong. <laughs> yeah, he's, he is. He's hard to make weak. And I, I think you, I mean, if you've seen a what was the sex movie? Um, shame, shame. Yeah. yeah, he's very kind of gross and despicable in that. It's yeah, an interesting movie. He has like a lot of masculine energy, and I think that masculine energy is a problem for that character. You yeah, I did put of, him in for for some reason. I, it could have been a little bit of that. I know that I used him a few weeks ago too as, as another one. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think he, I think he actually could have done it. It's a few guys that come up a lot in this conversation. Absolutely. All right, let's get to crazy man. Let, yeah, what, the what, number one. Uh, I originally wrote Denzel Washington because you can't replace Denzel, right. especially now he's just gotten older and more creasy. Uh, yeah, let's do but, better. Uh, uh, I, I thought. I thought deep and hard, and then I came up with Mickey Rourke. What? You stole Mickey Rourke from really? me. Really? Ah, I love it. That's great. <laughs> I that was I was so ex- I was in the car driving here and it came to me and I was like that's so good right after yeah. you think about stuff like the wrestler like he's yeah. perfect he's just this grizzled old beaten man like oh gotta save this girl's life and now because yeah. I was thinking about the scenes that he would have the relationship with with uh, Dakota Fanning yeah and the kind of like because Mickey Rourke has this really endearing quality sometimes he's really capable of it yeah yeah um, I was thinking about like the, the get off the block scene like. It's funny because in real life you hear that Mickey Rourke is like a total prick. That's like everybody says this. <laughs> Consensus, I've never really. met him, so I... he seems like when he smiles and looks at you, like he's like, "Oh, thanks, Dad." That's yeah, what it feels yeah. like. I have that twinkle in his eye. Yeah, <laughs> I've literally never heard a good story about him. The only really thing I've ever heard is that he's he's a sensitive guy. But right. everybody I've ever said is you see. But anyway, sensitive and not probably a good way. He but gets he come on the show and prove us wrong. Yeah. Personal, <laughs> he's like, Screw aside, you guys. <laughs> I don't care. I'm like a huge Rourke fan. Like, oh, absolutely. Old, like, yeah. old school. Like, I'm a big fan of his. But, like, I was just thinking about the same as you. Like, those scenes and just what I... It's totally believable. The, the grizzled Rourke, like, making it through at the end. Just yeah. Seems awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't even originally going to be in the movie. Right? Wasn't it Walken was going to play his role? Walken was going to... Well, Walken was cast to play his role. Okay. And and Marlon huh. Brando was cast to play Walken. Uh, Brando died, and Walken also was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be typecast as the bad guy. I want to be the good guy in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And so... Brando would have been an interesting uh, good, PC, right? too. Yeah. Oh, crazy! Yeah, at that point he's like a he's whale. Like, at that point, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just imagine the... just like freaking hip shooting, just <laughs> so like oh, a couple years before the score, and he's he's getting big. In oh this yeah, one. yeah. Uh, my recast for Denzel <laughs> is uh, Russell Crowe. Oh, that's good. I yeah. like that's good. That's, that's really, good. really good. I know. That might be <laughs> I kind of hit it on this one with my recast. I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah, Russell Crowe, and he's he's the right age for that now. Yeah, I actually for a minute there, I was thinking Clooney. Um, oh, yeah. The only thing with Clooney is he's too likable. Can he cut people's fingers off? I was just gonna say yeah. Yeah. that's that's the that's the reason Crow's a better casting choice because they they inhabit the same space. Mm-hmm. The pro the difference is that Clooney getting physically tough is not really believable at this point. Yeah, but I think Crow he, Crow like puts on weight well. Oh yeah, he does. Right, he, he like and then sometimes he does it a little too well, like in Body of Lies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like it's just he's just good at like being that burlier kind of bigger and just like stoic and angry. He could play an alcoholic in a heartbeat. 
Yeah. That'd be good. I love Gladiator so Crunch. much. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be really good. <laughs> That'd be a really good one. All right. So uh, I, we, we do this every week. Just really quickly, we talk about what would happen if you were to cast them in role, Tom Cruise or Nicolas Cage. Hilariously enough, Cruise was one of the actors that was offered this role before yeah. Denzel took it. Yeah. Um, I think along with Bruce Willis, Will Smith. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe there's one other. I'm forgetting. There's but one more. I can't remember who it is. I think Cruise would be able to pull off the intensity the best. I don't think Will Smith would be able to do this movie justice. Well, what's, we, what's no. the line that, that Cruise would have said in this movie? Oh, uh, Cruise? Yeah, come on. Uh, geez, what's a good one? What's a good one? You'd have to think he'd be like... Uh, <laughs> Nick Cage would be like, I wish you had more time. <laughs> and she walked away. <laughs> I, 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 wish I wish you had more time. <laughs> yeah, he usually goes like, you have more time. Uh, what, what, what would the line be? It would be like... God, uh, that line would fit for everyone. Even Cruise would be able to say yeah, that line, too. She, um, says, she says, what are you going to do? And he'd say, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to kill him. Anyone who was involved, anyone who profited from it, Anyone who opens their eyes at me. That, that's what Cruz would do. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Anyone who opens their eyes at me. I don't believe I don't believe either of them could have done it. I don't even think Cruz could have done it back in two thousand four. Yeah. I don't know why, I just don't. Maybe he's, he's a good other guy. You can't cut he can't cut off fingers. Well the thing is collateral he could cut off fingers. He was intense and collateral. And it's the same yeah. year. Yeah. It's the same year. I mean oh, really? yeah, it, it is really interesting. I, I thought you about have Cruz. To age him. That, he's already salt and peppered. I love Cruz. I, it's it's such a different character if you put Cruz in this. He would have just oh, ended yeah. up rewriting it a lot, I think. I don't think he could have done it in the way that Denzel does it. And right. I think if you were to put Cage at that point in his career, 04 Nick Cage, that's like <laughs> that's like a couple years after Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh-huh. Neither of them fit. I mean, they're hilarious, but neither of them actually fit. Right. Nick Cage would fit. has taken a bullet to the arm without flinching in Con Air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. All right. Uh, lastly, guys, this is what I mentioned at the beginning of the show as the three categories. Uh, so the three categories that we categorize all action movies into, there are three. Three categories. Yeah. There's <laughs> how many, Ben? Category one. Totally ridiculous. This is fall off a cliff of absurdity. The best example used for this is Face Off. It's yep. awesome. Mission Impossible 2. It should be noted yes. that for a movie to <laughs> be on this hunt. show... We won't ever put a movie on the show if it's just a bad movie. Like, no. it has to be baseline good. Yeah. So, good and totally ridiculous. That's category right, one. Right. Category two is totally legitimate. So, the best example of this is Die Hard. Sometimes we use The Fugitive. Those are good yeah. examples. Oh, I love The Fugitive. Very That's credible. Great, right? Clear and present danger. Uh, yeah. But lastly, ridiculously legitimate. And as I said, Tony Scott, Denzel, the feel of this movie is the feel of that category. Yeah. It's just that tone of absurd but awesome but good performances but campy. Uh, those are the three. What do you guys think? Definitely ridiculously legitimate. Just yeah, the, just, the it's just all it's just all about that. You're yeah. right. Tony Scott embodies this in later, his later movies. Yeah, yeah. Unstoppable is ridiculously legitimate. Yeah, I can't, can't <laughs> wait to do it on the show. It's a freaking train. The villain is a train. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The bad guy's train. Worst villain of all time. There's, it's like what she say. It's like this is not just a train you can stop. It's coming toward us. And it's the size of the freaking Chrysler building. Yeah. A missile the size of the Chrysler building. That's the line. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. Uh, ridiculously legitimate. God, I want to go totally legitimate, but I just yeah. can't. It's got a little. It's. it's I'd say it's. All, it's closer to totally than a few of his other movies. I'm yeah, sure. it's. It's right there. Totally legitimate. Do you have any aneurysm? I just. I, you know why it's totally legitimate? It has the epic feel of a movie like Heat that I like so much. That's uh-huh. very long and mm-hmm. windy. Now it's now it's ridiculously legitimate. All yeah, of the torture, a the absurdity. Single man takes yeah. on the entire Mexican cartel. It's right on the edge, but it's ridiculously legitimate. Yeah, it's right on the edge, though. I agree. Totally legitimate. I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> doing it. I'm doing it. Defend yourself. I can sir. do what I want. Okay. I love revenge movies. Yeah. Old boy. The original Old Boy is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, he dies at the end. Okay. In this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has to happen. It's. 
I know it's one guy taking on the cartel, but the way he does it for me is believable. I love it. He's got the, the news reporter helping him out, the AFI agent. He's not doing this all by himself, even though it appears that he is. True. Yeah. I'm going totally legitimate. I just love when he's walking into the club and he does not look like someone who would ever. Oh my god, go he looks clubbing. hilarious he's just in this that outfit. Giant dude in like a Hawaiian shirt, like oh, a, with some sunglasses, like let's go dance. Yeah, he puts on the bandana. Yeah, <laughs> it's absurd. It's awesome. Yeah, totally legitimate. Doing it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that enough. Uh, that pretty much does it here for us at uh, at the Popcorn Talk Network for uh, Action Movie Anatomy. Yep. So, Jimmy, thank you so much for coming by. Absolutely. The show I'm so today. glad that you guys uh, thought this was a good movie to do. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you being here and absolutely love that you picked this movie. Yeah. yeah. This is a good one, man. So, yeah. tell people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me online at JF Wong on Twitter. Or if you just uh, go to YouTube and look up Jimmy Wong, you can find the numerous number of things I've done, like Video Game High School or Feast of Fiction or some of my music stuff. And you're working stuff. on something new, aren't you? Yes, I'm in the middle of writing a musical comedy that I want to film and release by the end of the year. Uh, it's been quite the process. Writing is very hard. Well, yes, and be sure is. to check out Jimmy's Magic the Gathering podcast. We have sister That's podcasts right. on rocketjump.com. That's right. We all, I, I'm a little bit everywhere. My friend Matt says I'm a renaissance man, but I think I'm just a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. If you play Magic yeah. the Gathering, you're a renaissance man. That's how it works. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Do you play Magic? I did when I was 10. Perfect. You're a renaissance boy. Where uh, the- uh, yeah, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for watching again. And, of course, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram and every once in a while Periscope, but very rarely. <laughs> uh, and rocketjump.com for Magic the Gathering. Thanks for stopping, guys. Yeah, we'll yeah. See you soon. See you. Care. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. <laughs>